all of us. Everyone at the state's academic medical center. All working together to deliver complete care now and for generations to come. All over the state, including hospital and clinic locations from the Delta to the Gulf Coast. All for one reason, you. The University of Mississippi Medical Center. All for your health. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. Welcome back to Southern Remedy Healthy and Fit. I'm your host, Dr. Josie Bidwell, Associate Professor of Preventive Medicine and Nurse Practitioner at UMMC. Joining me in the studio today, I have Dr. Thomas Payne, who is also at UMMC and does a variety of things, but he is a professor of otolaryngology, the director of the ACT Center, and also a scientist at the Cancer Center Research Institute. So he is the perfect person to have on the show today to talk about vaping and to also talk about tobacco use and tobacco cessation. And so we are happy to take any questions or comments you have about those today. Our number is one eight seven seven mpb ring It's one 672 7464 And you can always send me an email, fit at mpbonline.org. Good morning, Dr. Payne. Hey, thanks for having me. Absolutely. I'm glad we were able to link back up and get, get you back in. We've done several shows um, with you on tobacco use and on vaping, but there's kind of been a push in the in the media lately with some some new things about vaping that we want to cover and talk about today. Um, but first, I want to start with maybe just an overview of vaping, some of the terminology around that in case we have some listeners who aren't familiar with that. Okay. Um, you kind of have to be living under a rock a little bit I at this know, point. I know. I know. I know to not have heard of it. But there's some, there's the word vaping's out there and then e-cigarettes and then you've right. got products like Juul and those right. kinds of things. And so are they the same thing? Are they different? Are there variations? Yeah, they're related, but there there is a, a difference there. So, okay. so, so probably vaping device is the big overall term mm-hmm. kind of thing. But we there's been a progression uh, as the as the market has matured and the devices have progressed. You know, early on we had the devices that sort of look like cigarettes, mm. and um, you know when I when I do trainings for healthcare professions, I always ask them the question: Back in those days, when when the person puffed on a, on one of those ones that looked like a cigarette, what color was the light at the end? I don't know. They were always red. Oh. Because initially the goal was to make, make it, it look, look like, like a, a cigarette. cigarette. Right. Makes sense. Right, right. And but then over time as they changed, mm-hmm. they became blue and green and all kinds oh. of crazy colors and stuff. So okay. anyway. But anyway, so so the those those early ones are now called sigalikes. Sigalikes. Sigalike. That's the that's the term <laughs> in, in the in the I have research. Not heard that one. Sigalike, <laughs> all right. Yep. And and they were terrible products from the from the uh, industry perspective because they really didn't yield a lot of nicotine so mm. nobody got addicted so the sales were not oh. good yeah that's we yeah. feel really badly for the mm-hmm. companies about that mm-hmm. yeah so then they moved on to what were called the tank based systems also e-cigarettes at that point where now you could fill your own flavor in there and whatever but the batteries were bigger better ye- nicotine yield they became more addictive you know that sort mm-hmm. of thing and people liked them more because right. it was closer addictive, to cigarette yeah. right right and then you had the ones that they, they kind of look like big boxes with a nozzle coming out of it those are the 
uh, the what we would call the phase three devices. And again, they sort of don't look like cigarettes anymore. Mm-hmm. You know, they were still called e-cigarettes to a degree, but they were, you know, just a vaping device or or whatever was becoming more popular at that point. And they had much larger batteries, produced much higher nicotine levels, and, and so they, they were far more addictive mm-hmm. or whatever. What we've moved to now are devices that, like Juul, which we call pods or pod mods is, an, is another one, where you basically snap in a flavor cartridge into the device, right? And these are, um, uh, again, you can call them vaping devices. Juul in particular has gotten so large that they, some people call them Juuls, and there are, there are actually some users who, if you say, do you use an e-cigarette, they'll say, no, I use a Juul. Even though they're very, you know, in the same class, right. that people see them as very separate kind of thing. Jewels are different because, um, first of all, they've changed the liquids in there a little bit, so there's very little smoke. This is why we now know that we have a big problem in schools where kids are using them, and it's so not detectable. It sneakier, right? The, the stealth vaping stealth is, is the is the term for that. Right? <laughs> Y'all have great oh, terms yeah. over oh, yeah. there. Give it enough time, we'll yeah. come up with lots of stuff. Yeah. <laughs> Um, uh, and the other thing about it, though, but and this is m- more concerning, is that they changed the nicotine formulation there into what we now call a nicotine salt. Okay. And the reason why that's important is because while the concentration of the nicotine in those pods is very high, so if you if you all if your uh, listeners know what a jewel looks like, there's that small little pod that mm-hmm. snaps in. They've got about six or eight flavors that you can you put in there. Um, one of those pods, volume-wise, contains about as much nicotine as an entire pack of cigarettes. Oh, my now. goodness. But given the nicotine salt formulation, it actually, because the mouth absorbs alkaline much better, uh, it actually hits you more like a pack and a half of cigarettes. Oh and gosh. there are kids, there are adolescents now who are using two of these or more a day. I was going to ask how quickly you yes, can, can you, go through can, one of those. You can, be, and they've made it more palatable, and they're improving the uh, satisfaction of it and all that sort of wow. stuff. Like, and we have, for the first time, kids that are getting very, very addicted to these things. And we are seeing even p- kids coming up to us and saying... I can't stop these things. Can you help me? Mm-hmm. That never was the case with cigarettes. Every, you know, adolescents right. always think they can stop by themselves. Oh, know? well, yeah. But in this case, they're recognizing that this is a highly, highly addictive substance and having trouble stopping. Wow. So that's, that's, that's kind of where we're at at this time. And there are lots of jewel clones out there mm-hmm. now and that sort of thing. But that's where sort of the status of the field is at mm-hmm. this point. Now, what about hookah? What is hookah? So hookah is, um, for some of your listeners who are closer to my age, um, you know, we we had the the 60s style hookah, Mm -hmm. which is, if you can remember using it, you didn't have a good time. Oh, my gosh. (laughs) (laughs) That's great. (laughs) But, uh, yeah, so the early hookah was actually Mm -hmm. used in the the Middle Eastern area Mm -hmm. and India, Mm -hmm. you know, centuries and centuries ago. And its original use was that you had friends over for dinner. And then at the end of the dinner, what they would do is put a little molasses in the hookah pipe, and you and it was sort of like a sweet dessert. Af- exactly, exactly. Huh. So, so it was a you know you didn't do a lot of it. It was a few right. puffs to kind of just get this sweet taste and whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, and again, for the for the listeners out there, hookah is a, a pipe which in which uh, you smoke a substance through it. But the but the, the the defining feature is that the smoke is bubbled through some sort of liquid. 
to cool it off typically. So it's water. Sometimes people put wine in there, that sort of thing. And that has persisted over the mm-hmm. centuries. It's the, basically the same design kind of thing. Um, what we see now is that uh, originally it was individuals, but now you have these pipes with like six or eight hoses coming off of them. And so you can have people sitting around right. and sharing this together. Um, to my joke before, in the 60s, it mm-hmm. was used largely as a way to smoke marijuana right. kind of thing. But now it has really, there are hookah bars mm-hmm. in many cities, and it is tobacco that they are using. Uh, they're specifically manufactured these uh, cubes that are flavored, highly flavored with, uh, you, know, you know, strawberry, vanilla, right. you know, all the different flavors. And you stick it in there. But but it is tobacco. It's not like an e-cigarette where there's a liquid and it's different. This gotcha. is truly closer to smoking cigarettes, if okay. you will, kind okay. of thing. It's just Great. in this more social Social pod. Right. Yes. Right. Okay. All yeah. right. All right, guys, we've got open lines. Now's a good time to give us a call. That number's one eight seven seven mpb ring And we're talking vaping and tobacco use today. Um we tend to focus on vaping and cigarettes, but that's not the only way that we get tobacco, right? So there's still you know, chewing tobacco, right. dip, you know, all these different kinds of of um, products, and they're not super safe either, right? No, n- no tobacco product is safe. Yeah. Um, I mean, that's 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 one thing I think it's very important that everyone understand. People tend to focus on the nicotine, and that's important because that is the addictive substance. Mm-hmm. But really, when you sort of look at it, while nicotine is not safe, it is probably the least nasty thing from a health perspective that is in tobacco products. Um, It's certainly not good, you know, for pregnant moms in particular and things like that. But to an otherwise healthy adult, it's it's really relatively safe. That's why we have nicotine replacement therapies to help people uh, quit. And it really is quite safe. What's dangerous in tobacco is all the other stuff. So you've got in all forms of tobacco, whether it's burned or not, you have the tars. Mm. So that includes a a variety of substances that grow naturally in the tobacco plant, uh, as well as if you do smoke it or, or burn it in some way, um, it uh, it forms combustion products that create more different substances. Mm. These are the things that are largely related to mostly cancer but also cardiovascular disease as well. So those are the big things. And then you have, if you do burn it, there's the carbon monoxide and some other things that that also get added in Mm -hmm. there as well. Um, There's no question that in combusted forms of tobacco, you have more, uh, a higher count of toxins that come in. Does that mean that those are worse than other forms is unclear kind of thing. To some degree, yes. But for instance, with cardiovascular disease, um, you know there are these these this, this uh, toxin group called aldehydes, formaldehyde, acetones, and things mm-hmm. like that. That um, really, even in for example, in Juul, they seem to put out about the same amount as cigarettes do. So, from a cardiovascular risk perspe- perspective, it may be just as dangerous. Just as dangerous, yeah. 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 And you know, gr- for me, growing up. Like everybody in my family, like dipped or did chewing right. tobacco, you know. And I remember begging my papa. I was like, "Let me taste it. Let me taste it. Let me taste it." And he'd be like, "You don't want this. You don't want this. You don't want this." And finally, I guess he just got tired of me. Like just after five years of asking, he was like, "Sure, here you go," you know. And I grabbed me some and put it in my mouth. <laughs> and 
I have never been so sick in my entire life. Okay. I mean, I remember how bad it tastes and just throwing up. And so that I was glad that he taught me that little lesson right there because I never asked again to have any of his stuff there. But, you know, I, I do feel like that is um, something that is a lot more common than we give it credit for. Oh, yes. And Especially in rural states like yeah. Mississippi and the South, the Midwest, that kind of thing. And when yeah. we... And when we go to, like when we have patients who come in, we always say, do you smoke? You know, and right. I think it's really important that we say, do you use any form of you know, tobacco products, vapes, anything like that, so that right. we include all of these products that can be doing, have health consequences to them. All right, we're going to take the first break of the hour. When we come back, we're going to talk about some of the lung issues that we've been hearing about vaping in the news. If you want to give us a call, our number is one eight seven seven mpb ring It's one 672 7464 Be back in just a few. podcast. If you ever miss one of our locally produced shows or want to simply hear it again, you can find what you need at mpbonline.org or download our podcast app to your smartphone. MPB programming is on your schedule at mpbonline.org. Welcome back to Southern Remedy Healthy and Fit. I'm your host, Dr. Josie Bidwell. Joining me today, I have Dr. Thomas Payne. He's a professor of otolaryngology at UMMC and also the director of the ACT Center. And we've been talking about tobacco use. And in particular, our first segment focused on vaping and kind of an overview of different vaping devices. And if you have a question or a comment about any of those things, we're happy to speak with you today. Our number is one eight seven seven mpb ring It's one 672 7464 And my email is fit at mpbonline.org. I'm happy to take your questions that way as well. All right. Uh, and Dr. Payne, I've had you on several times. And I, so this time I didn't get you to tell me what the ACT Center is. So tell, tell our listeners real quick what the ACT Center is. So the ACT Center for Tobacco Treatment, Education, and Research is our center that was formed when Mike Moore, the, the attorney general mm-hmm. at the time, settled the tobacco lawsuit for Mississippi and, and I think eight states in total. And over this period of time, we have been providing services to the community in terms of helping people quit tobacco. Uh, I do an awful lot of training healthcare providers and, and talking to community groups about tobacco use and vaping now and 
all these other things. And then we also have a very active research program. We've done a lot of work in the genetics of nicotine dependence on cognitive behavioral sort of research on mm-hmm. quitting and, and who, who uses and who's at risk to use and those kinds of things and a variety of other issues like Lots that. Lots of good stuff yeah. going on over there. Yep. And I, I really appreciate the, the training that you give other healthcare providers because it's so important for us to be able to ask the right questions but then be able to follow up with really good evidence-based treatment options Absolutely. for folks that are ready to That's stop using. That's the goal, using. to make sure people understand what works, what and, works and how to apply right, it. Right. right, kind of cutting through all the right. all the bull out there. Yep. All right, so uh, you listeners may or may not um, have heard about these vaping-related deaths. I would imagine that you have at least seen the headlines right. out there. Um, and so uh, it has a, a fancier name, right? Ivali? Ivali. Ivali. Don't it ask me for what some it stands stuff. for. Right. Yeah. yeah, I printed it out. But <laughs> But uh, e-cigarette or vaping product use associated lung injury, injury which Ivali is just a much better way to say that. But tell me, tell me about that. Like, what is what are these vaping related deaths that are occurring? Right. So, so it's well, it's it's there. Ha- there have been deaths. There've been quite. There've been a hundredfold more. Uh, uh, admissions to ICU units and, you know, all, all of that going on. So uh, this this started about mm, eight months, six, eight months ago or so. We started to become aware of the fact that people who were vaping uh, were um, uh, coming down with these severe lung-related sort of uh, issues that brought them into the hospital. I think at this point there have been, I want to say, 25, 26 deaths in the United mm-hmm. States, but about 25, 2,600 uh, admissions to hospitals at the point with to the where it's serious enough that right, they, needed, that they need inpatient right, and then admission. many many more that got had got some level of symptoms kind of mm-hmm. and um the the they're largely pulmonary related diseases and stuff that seem to be associated with that uh, there are other pulmonary diseases that we have seen with vaping as well but the class that leads to the evali is is a separate thing and what we seem to be aware of and again we, we don't know for a hundred percent yet. But there are two factors that seem to be largely associated with this. One is vaping THC, which is the the compound in marijuana that gets you high. Um, the the groups I think that put this together were thinking this would make you know, well. Besides it being a way to sell a product right. and make some money, that it would be safer to do than actually burning marijuana and, mm. and smoking it that way. Gotcha. Um, but as it turns out, it, it appears that vaping it has some other uh, impacts, which is really highlights the point that you can't just go do stuff that sounds like a good idea. It <laughs> right. needs to be evaluated, <laughs> oh right? Yeah. And, and this really should, I hope the FDA mm. does a much better job of capping these things before there's testing in, in, in the future. So, right. so that's one thing. The THC seems to be involved. But the other is that, that a lot of people used as the liquid vehicle in there. Um, in, in, in most vaping devices, they use two different liquids, propylene glycol and a vegetable glycerin. Uh, the PG is a, an FDA-approved thing. It's used in a lot of inhaler medicines, as you know, mm-hmm. and that kind of thing. Right. And, and VG, while it's not good to have fats in your lung, it's very low dose and, and seems to be uh, in, in and of itself not safe for you, but not causing this huge issue. Mm-hmm. In, in these cases, there are a lot of these formulations where people have used vitamin E liquid, vitamin E acetate, as mm-hmm. it is. And for whatever reason, heating and inhaling that is just simply not good for you. And it is, it is related to many of the lung injuries that have occurred. Mm-hmm. So those two things seem to be 
primarily. I think they've they've said that of all the samples they've collected, vitamin E was in, in every one. Yeah. And THC was in like 90 yeah. some plus yeah, like, percent. Like 80, kind of 80 thing. something percent right. of like when we wash the lungs and look at the, right. the stuff that we get back out of it, those two compounds were there. So a little uh, subset of vaping products. Right. So not right. your average mainstream vaping products, but the ones that have vitamin E or THC added into those um, are really the ones that we need to watch out for. All right. So um, just kind of summarizing what we just talked about with the e-volley, which is the the vaping related lung injuries, vaping related deaths that have been out in the in the news that we've seen more prominent. They are associated with THC containing products, vitamin E containing products. Um, so not just your average regular vaping device, but don't add things. Right, right. right. And there are people experimenting with all kinds of stuff, and it's just generally a bad idea. Uh, we don't know the impact of the heat on these substances. Heating changes these substances into other things, and then the lungs are very sensitive mm. and uh, just are not a very well accepting of lots of, of these toxins uh, right. that, that are produced. Right, so. and you have to be careful like where you buy stuff, I would imagine, <laughs> because just because you buy it off the Internet doesn't mean it has what it says it has in it, and you, know, you have to be really careful in adding these different products right. to, to your the things that you're using. So... While um, that kind of run-of-the-mill average vaping device is not what is kind of being highlighted by this particular medical problem, they are not benign substances, right? There are lots of other health consequences that occur with the use of just your regular vaping devices. Talk to me about some of those. Right. So, so again, um, the first thing you have to be careful of is you don't say is look at it just like you would evaluate a cigarette. Mm. There's different substances, and so they're going to produce different byproducts when they're heated and, and even in their cool, cold form as well. Um, so so we have to – there's some similarities, but there are also big differences across them as well. So one of the things we know is that, um, for example, the, the those two substances, the vegetable glycerin and the propylene glycol, in very, very small quantities are probably fine. But – if you're vaping all day long, if this is right. what you're doing, you're getting much higher doses than the FDA has considered safe. And high doses of PG in the lung is not good for you and is likely to cause, uh, I've, I've seen reports about, you know, immune reaction kinds of things as, as well as inflammatory processes and others uh, that are likely to occur. Um, same thing, and with the vegetable glycerin, again, fats in the lung is not a good right. idea. And if you're doing a lot of this, you're going to, do, to do, uh, get a fair amount in there. In addition to that, when you heat these products, they produce additional byproducts, and that's where some of the real significant dangers are. So one of the things we know that's produced is a, a, a class of toxins called aldehydes. It's things like formaldehyde, acetaldehyde, there's acetone, there's acrolein, etc. And many of these are very toxic to human life. And in particular, seem to have um, uh, large implications for cardiovascular disease risk. Cigarettes, for example, produce a lot of aldehydes. Mm-hmm. And when we look at the measurements coming out of e-cigarettes and, and various vaping devices and compare it to regular cigarettes, they seem fairly similar in, in, in a lot of ways. Mm-hmm. And at the very least, um, th- there's a sufficient amount produced that they reach the threshold of, in, in, in many of the experts who work in, in this area, 
believing that they probably comprise about an equivalent risk for cardiovascular disease. Uh, what a lot of um, uh, your users, uh, well, your users, your, 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 <laughs> not my users, the users, <laughs> the and, users, and the audience, and here. my listeners, right? And your listeners might not uh, be aware is that when you smoke cigarettes, for example, um, the excess cardiovascular risk that's associated with that, fifty percent of that comes from the first cigarette you smoke of the day, and about eighty, eighty-five percent comes from the first three. So after that, you've already topped out in risk, mm. and e-cigarettes produce at least that amount. So, so the, the, the issue is likely that they will have an equivalent level of cardiovascular risk down the road. All right. Well, we'll continue our discussion about health consequences of smoking as well as vaping when we come back from our break. Now is a perfect time to give us a call. Our number is one eight seven seven mpb ring It's one 672 7464 We'll be back. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. Hi, I'm Jason Klein from Fix It 101. If you ever thought about changing the doorknob or fixing a leaky faucet, some jobs just aren't that difficult, and yes, you can do it. If you want to find out how to do those things, listen to Fix It 101, podcast everywhere. Welcome back to Southern Remedy Healthy and Fit on MPB Think Radio. I'm Dr. Josie Bidwell. Joining me in studio today is Dr. Thomas Payne. And we've been talking about vaping primarily, but also smokeless tobacco and smoking as well. If you have a question or a comment, we'd love to hear from you. Our number is one eight seven seven mpb ring It's one 672 7464 I know a lot of you are paying attention to the weather, and that is always what I want you to do. I want you to stay safe out there and pay attention to your weather updates that we are bringing to you here on MPB Think Radio. Um, Dr. Payne, before the break, we talked a little bit about these vaping um, lung deaths that were occurring, um, lung injuries and lung deaths that are primarily mm-hmm. linked to a, a subset of vape uh, vape products, but then just the general health consequences of vaping in general. And so you, you kind of keep mentioning cardiovascular health and heart disease and, and those types of things. What types of issues are, are coming from vaping when we say kind of cardiovascular issues? Are we having more heart attacks, more strokes, or just general poor heart health? It's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a great question. The, 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 so we have a lot of evidence of looking at the process. Gotcha. So, so that would do it. But now two large surveys have just recently been published, one by the group through the University of California at San Francisco and one that's actually part of my um, TCOR's uh, research group. I'm not on this particular publication, but many of the members that, that I work with are. Uh, the first one looked at the um, national health, uh, uh, the NHIS In, data, mm-hmm, right? Okay. And then the second one on what's called the BRFIS data set, mm-hmm. which is behavioral risk factors. And in both of those cases, they uh, they showed 
an association between uh, e-cigarette use and heart attacks. But the big, big findings were that, number one, that dual use, the use of, of smoked tobacco plus an e-cigarette, uh, uh, when you smoke some at one point in the day and some at the other point mm. in the day, um, is associated with a higher risk than either product alone and that the combination is more than just the additive amount. It multiplies. And so there's something about doing those things together in the same person that is just not you know, healthy and seems to increase the risk for uh, heart attacks very specifically. Right. So that's some of the, the, you know, heart attacks are something that, that tend to appear early. It doesn't take a whole lot for that in, in terms of uh, uh, the, 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 the underlying sort of uh, physiology. And right. whatever. Things like cancer now, it's probably if, if vaping sticks around, that's going to take longer because we know cancer takes longer to develop and those sorts okay. of things. But we have detected many, again, substances that are related to cancer risk in the vaping mist. There's heavy metals as the, as the um, devices break down and Met, small particles mm. start to flake off and whatever, and the person inhales those. We know those are very small and get very deep into the lung. Uh, lead, tin, silver, oh, chromium, gosh. all kinds of nasty stuff, yeah. So we would expect that over time that would yield some increased cancer risk Absolutely. as well. But but it's too early. Right. It's only been around for 10 years, and so that's early for, right. for that to start to has show. to be causing just chronic underlying inflammation you in there, so. which... Yep over time is going to lead some muta- to some mutations in cells that are going to probably cause some cancer. And, and again, there's been some laboratory study showing the inflammatory stuff and, and, and some of those mm-hmm. things you just mentioned already, like in, 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 in rat studies and mm-hmm. stuff like that. And they tend to hold for humans too, kind All of right. thing. We just have a longer lifespan, so it takes longer to show All sort right. of thing. So, okay. yeah. All right. I think we've got a question from Michelle. Good we morning. do. Good morning, doctors. Yeah. Um, I have a question. Why do you know if uh, why were vape vapes or the vapor machine? Why was that uh, developed? Did they develop it to offset the smoking and try to pull people from smoking? And did they think it was going to be better, and it just wasn't. <laughs> right. So it's a great question, and uh, you know opinions vary. <laughs> but one of the things is that there was this uh, a pharmacist. Uh, I forget his name now. The uh, uh, pharmacist in China, whose father was very, very dependent on tobacco. And so this pharmacist developed the vaping device, as, as, uh, as the story goes, as a way to help him to quit, okay? Given the fact that this pharmacist now works for Chinese Tobacco, which is the largest, the largest tobacco uh, uh, company in the world, uh, you know, his motivations are a little bit unclear at this point. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, but that's the story as to how the first device was created, and then it just kind of took off from there, basically. So but the it F- seemed to be focused on helping quitting. Right. So the FDA, they have approved these, correct? No, no, no. No. These are not approved. As a matter of fact, the evidence is quite scant that anybody quits uh, using tobacco using a vaping device. And I'm so glad you brought that up because the bottom line is while there's a handful, a very, very small single-digit percentage that seem to maybe benefit from this, the bottom line is that the vast majority of tobacco users who use vaping as a way to quit become dual users. Oh. And that's actually probably the worsens worst. their mm-hmm, risk mm-hmm. kind of thing. So so, so that's not a good thing. There, there was actually a very good study. It just came out. I don't know if you saw it in the New England Journal of Medicine mm. out of the British group where they compared using patches to vaping as a way to quit. 
And in fact, they did show in, in to the to the support of the group there that the, those vaping did have a somewhat if they looked one year later, mm-hmm. were somewhat higher in their quitting of, of the traditional tobacco product. However, when you look at the vaping, right? So those who were on patches a year later, maybe 10% were still using patches. 80% of the people who started uh, with the vaping were still vaping a year later. Wow. So it's, you can call it a victory, but right. if vaping is not safe, it's, it's kind of hard to see how much of a victory this really and, is. And that's my concern right. as a parent right. of a 16 year old. Uh-huh. Uh, I know uh, maybe the phones will light up after I say this, but <laughs> it seems like as a parent and I'm in the media and I see it, it seems like they're targeting the teens. Like it was cool to vape. And I know they're putting the flavors in them and things like that. But again, they're masking the real problem. It's not healthy. And they're, mm-hmm. to me, I think it came out as this is a healthy version. It is not going to harm you. And then later on, they started realizing children are dying, teens are dying, and we're going to have to really do something about it. it you're exactly right. It's, 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 it is very dangerous. And, you know, you know, you got to remember the people who are selling it are just there to make money. They're not there to put out accurate information. And the research lags behind. It takes time to do good research, you know. So now we're seeing more of this kind of thing, and we're seeing the dangers that are really there. Yeah. Well, I mean, it, it almost not necessarily parallels, but it reminds me of kind of the artificial sweetener debate, Good you know, point. so yep. we had all these, you know, refined sugar and all these beverages. And so we start adding and creating artificial sweeteners and that's going to be a healthier alternative. And now that the research is catching up with right. what is occurring, it's it's not, you yeah. know, it's not really a healthier alternative. So it was just kind of swapping one not great habit for another not great habit there right you and, know. and it's important to remember that the the differences and the dangers are different right absolutely. Not, it's not like they mimic the original thing and it's the same right. case here too right as well. yeah so, absolutely yeah. it's 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 completely different but you know we just have to continually evaluate what the evidence is saying what the research is saying and making sure that we get um get that evidence-based information out there to the patients that we're seeing to our families and our friends and you know especially these kids uh right. you know that are choosing these products thinking that they are a safer alternative in some cases when you've presented a case that they're they're really not different sets of problems but still not something that we would want for our our children, you know. Absolutely. And and on that note, if I, if I might just mention, we do lots of presentations to mm-hmm. healthcare professionals and mm-hmm. I know some listening to this show. Um, one of the one of our the crown jewels uh, in our program <laughs> is uh, we do a tobacco treatment specialist training program. So if there are healthcare professionals out there who want to add tobacco treatment as a specialty, we do a four day workshop. Uh, I think the next one is in February for us, um, where uh, individuals can come and learn all about yeah you know prevalence risk treatment methods you know all kinds of things and helping people using all kinds of tobacco products uh, to quit and the the great thing about it is that if you are a Mississippi healthcare professional it's free what yes and we'll oh. even feed you while you're with oh us oh my goodness just I no know. artificial sweeteners right <laughs> no artificial sweeteners <laughs> that's right but no it's it's been a very successful program um it's a very 
hands-on and, you know, uh, we, we, we train 30 to 40 people at a time kind of thing to give them a lot of experience with this. So hopefully increasing the cadre of people out there to help others out. Kind of All thing. right. So, fantastic. Yeah. Yep. All right. We've got a caller on the line. So I'm going to go over to Oakland, Mississippi. Good morning. Good morning. How, How are, are you? you? Oh, I'm better than I deserve. How can we help you? <laughs> um, well, I know you're talking about vaping today and um, I had a couple of comments that I, the things that I've seen in my lifetime that may apply to this. Sure. Uh, I know that kids uh, are that, that are experimenting with different kinds of drugs. Those are usually the ones that get in trouble when they try a serious drug and they don't have any experience. Um, when now that they're using the vaping uh, apparatus, it's really another vehicle to introduce dangerous and illegal drugs to kids. Mm. Absolutely. What I see. Yep. Exactly right. Uh, you know, some of these vaping devices, I'm not a vapor, I don't smoke, but some of these vaping devices I see, uh, I mean, going down the highway when they crack the window and it, a fog comes out, I know they're vaping <laughs> because it makes a lot more smoke than right. a cigarette does. Right. And there's some of these that are adjustable and they crank them all the way up for the right. effect of the smoke. And that also, I'm sure, cranks up whatever the chemicals are as well. And the nicotine, so the nicotine as yep. well. Yeah. Yep, yep. Yep. And so when they're introducing this this apparatus and experimenting with different additives, um, you know, you can buy this. I, I heard you guys talk about THC, mm-hmm. and THC is the active ingredient in marijuana. Right. You can buy that historically in a powder form illegally, like cocaine or heroin. And if they're introducing powdered THC into this vaping machine and cranking it up, they can overdose on that. Yeah. And, and, and remember, the, the part of what is making this really proliferate out there is that it is legal now right. in, 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 right. in a few states to sort of do this. And then, of course, it, it goes beyond that. You know, right. So, yeah. Absolutely. And, and, you know, by adding another device to introduce alcohol, I mean, not alcohol, but tobacco and drugs, not only do they have the original problem of getting to stop smoking cigarettes, they have an, introduced and made legal an additional problem, which is just as bad. And, you know, and if they do it as a fad. They don't even start smoking. They just start vaping. Right. Because it's cool and it's a machine and I'm not really smoking. Right. Right. And, you know, I think that's a really great point that you raised there because there are, there are a fair number of people, uh, particularly younger, who start vaping, that this is their initial exposure to nicotine. But what we're seeing is that a, a, a substantial percentage of them then transition back to traditional tobacco products as they get older. So we've got you've got people coming from right. you know the one end or the other end and but they the, the net result is that the total number of tobacco using individuals in our society has increased yeah. since the advent of vaping yeah. so yeah exactly because now they they may not have started smoking but they will start vaping because it's not smoking Right, right. Yeah. That's the thought. You're exactly right. All right. Thank you so much for that call. They brought up lots of interesting points there. All right, guys, we're going to go ahead and take the last break of the hour. If you have a question or a comment, now is the time to give us a call. Our number is one eight seven seven mpb ring This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. Hi, I'm Ryder Taff, Portfolio Manager at New Perspectives, a fee-only financial advisory and co-host of Money Talks. 
Each week, we take your personal finance questions and tell you about a money topic we hope you find helpful. Money Talks can be heard Tuesdays at 9 a.m. on MPB Think Radio. Podcasts can be found on our website, money.mpbonline.org, or on your smart device's podcasting platform. Welcome back to Southern Remedy Healthy and Fit. I'm Dr. Josie Bidwell. Joining me in the studio today is Dr. Thomas Payne. And we've been talking about vaping as well as uh, tobacco use, including uh, smokeless tobacco and cigarettes. And I think we've painted a pretty um, accurate picture of the fact that vaping is not a healthier substitute to um, smoking. It is something that some people start as their initial entry into um, using some form of of smoke device uh, and then often transition into cigarette smoking, which was not the intention. And then some people are using it as a way to stop smoking, but uh, either doesn't work entirely and so they're dual users using a vaping product and using a cigarette product or they're then just addicted to the vaping product which is not a healthier choice so if we've got listeners out there who are ready to stop using a tobacco product so if vaping is not the way to go what does the evidence tell us is the way to go right so so let me just highlight your point there that um, there have been studies looking at vaping helping people to quit. And in the best of those studies, when you look at longer-term quits, like six months mm-hmm. out or, or longer, it's, you know, you, you get about the same quit rate as people who don't use anything at all. Oh, who just cold turkey it? Just right. So, okay. it's, so it's about the same, and that's like maybe 5% or something like that. So my guess is those people would have quit on their own anyway. It mm-hmm. wasn't really the vaping that did it. It right. was, you know, you know, it's possible that a couple people if they use it short-term or whatever. But the problem is that people then continue to use that long-term, and that's where the real danger kind of comes in. So that's not an effective way to go. And in, in case anybody's confused about this, vaping is not approved by the FDA as a cessation right. uh, strategy. That is really important to know because the, the FDA would never do that unless there was a reasonable evidence-based to right. say that it works, and there's not, and so that has not passed muster. So, so we know that. So the way the the best way to quit really is um, uh, a combination of getting some counseling support, you know, to help people to change the habitual components of what they've been doing for so many years using right. tobacco products, and then combining that with one of the FDA-approved pharmacotherapies that are available out there, which include um, the nicotine replacement therapies. Uh, Zyban, which is an atypical antidepressant that just has this side effect of really reducing craving and helping mm-hmm. people to quit uh, and, and works quite well. And then the, the newest drug is Chantix. Uh, Chantix got some really bad sort of rap yeah. early on, but but all of the new research has shown that that was not accurate and was a, a couple of odd cases that really got blown out of proportion. And so when you look at that, uh, the, the newest evidence, it's actually quite effective in helping people mm-hmm. to quit and the risks are really quite minimal. So a combination of some kind of pharmacotherapy with counseling support, like we you would get at the um, at the Act Center and mm-hmm. other self uh, through the Quit Line uh, as well, and and other healthcare professionals who have gotten you know or learned about what evidence based right. treatments is uh, that is the best way to go if you can't quit on your own. Yeah. Certainly, I mean that it's the same as largely 
all of the behavioral type correct uh, problems we have. So you know, with uh, anxiety, depression, those types of things, it's a combination of support and counseling as well as medication. Some medications um, right. to make sure that we're hitting kind of all all targets there. You know, I think or what I've heard from other healthcare providers is they're hesitant to maybe prescribe some of these, especially the nicotine replacements, because we've been kind of, you know, harped on that nicotine's not good for us right. and, you know, that it causes high blood pressure and, you know, all these different kinds of things. And so we're like, well, I don't want to write for a replacement therapy. You know, is that is that worse than what just letting them smoke? But it's not. <laughs> yeah, yeah not, not, not by a long shot. Right. Um, um, nicotine replacement therapies, first of all, it's clean nicotine. It doesn't have any of the tars, carbon monoxide, all the other substances that, that are present in tobacco. It doesn't have any of the aldehydes and whatever that we know are produced by vaping, you know, right. so so it's just medicinal nicotine. So again, while I wouldn't say nicotine is good for you, right. it is really for for someone who's otherwise fairly healthy, the risks are are, are, are virtually zero. I mean, it's right. really quite, quite low. The other thing about it is that when you when you take nicotine in a medicinal form, like the patch, like gum or lozenge, inhalers, et cetera, that the slower rate of uptake into the body uh, makes a huge difference because virtually no one gets addicted to these substances. I mean, there's there's a rare case mm-hmm. or two that have been reported in the literature, but by and large, and, and in our own clinics, we see this, you know, we've treated thousands and thousands of people. No one gets addicted to, the, to, to nicotine replacement. It is safe. It has to be used properly. It has to be used long enough and at the right dosage for that individual. But if done so in that way, it can be a very effective way of helping people to quit. And so, you know, I would say if you've tried a nicotine replacement in the past and maybe have been unsuccessful with that, really try and get in contact with someone who's a tobacco cessation specialist because we want to make sure that we're using the correct dose for the correct amount of time to really facilitate appropriate cessation treatment. Exactly. Um, You know, and just as an example of that, People will sometimes use it for a few days or mm-hmm. maybe a week or two and either say it's not working or say, oh, I'm quit and then stop using it. Mm-hmm. And it's sort of like antibiotics, right? You know, the doctor <laughs> you gives you 10 days it. and even though two days later you feel better, every doctor in the world says, finish, finish. it out, right? Yeah. You know, so so that's that's an important piece there that you that you need to um, with with the NRTs. It appears that a minimum of three months really is necessary to help most people quit. And somewhere between three and six months is, yeah. is, is sort of the sweet spot of what makes the most sense. You're not going to be on it for the rest of your life, you know, kind of thing. It's right. a limited time kind of thing. And again, the risks associated with that are almost zero. Yeah. So, thing, so there are lots of different products out there. If you have questions or comments about a good evidence-based way to stop using tobacco products, you can always email me at fit at mpbonline.org. And I'll be happy to give you some additional information there, put you in contact with Dr. Payne or the ACT Center that, that you can get the best treatment course available for you. Because at the end of the day, we just want to help you stop absolutely using tobacco products and vaping products as well all right guys thank you for tuning in today please 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 continue to be weather aware and pay attention to your local news stations and radio stations for weather updates as we progress through this weather day today thank you to dr Payne for coming on again and helping me address this super important topic you've been listening to southern remedy healthy and fit on mpb think radio be sure to tune in every weekday at 11 for the full southern remedy lineup 